drinking jalapeno business make this drink you have uh, three strawberries halved two slices of jalapeno half an ounce of lime juice a quarter ounce of maple syrup you're gonna muddle all of that together in a cocktail shaker and then you're gonna add ice you're gonna strain that into a rocks glass with ice and then you are gonna fill it up with 7-up and then garnish with a slice of lime or another jalapeno and that is jalapeno business. Oh, oh I, I forgot the tequila. He's <laughs> got, got an ounce and a half of tequila in it. Yeah, because we don't drink booze on drunk <laughs> Damn. It's good, too, but it takes forever to fucking make yeah, it. Yeah, there's a lot of shit in here. Yeah, I, I got thirsty waiting on the drink. <laughs> but it does have tequila in it. It's good, though. Yeah. I'm a fan. I want to go first. Kelly, I'll let you go first. All right. Since y'all ain't got nothing. Yeah. Me and Kara are doing good things, but everybody else sucks. <laughs> so we are doing um, Corporate Conspiracies, and I have Arista Records and Millie Vanilli. And Matt might be too young to remember Millie Vanilli, but don't the right fucking say that. <laughs> I am not too young to remember. Well, they came out like the year you were born, so. <laughs> so what? Well, so. Guess what? I've never seen a movie that came out before I was born. But you don't remember, like, the hullabaloo over, over all of this, whereas we do. Uh, yeah, I remember. I remember the blame scandal. Blame it on the, blame it on the, I remember seeing that clip and it just kept repeating. I was like, oh, shit. So, the duo that we knew as Millie Vanilli consisted of Rob Pilatus from Munich and Fabrice Morvan from Paris. The two met during a dance seminar at a club in Munich where they teamed up and tried to find work as backup dancers and backup singers. They adopted the name Millie Vanilli and recorded an album for a small German label, which sold a few thousand copies. And then Frank Farian, a music producer from Frankfurt, invited them to the studio to hear a demo of Girl You Know It's True. And they asked if Millie Vanilli would like to record the song. So Farian signed Millie Vanilli to a contract on January 1st, 1988, in which they were obligated to record 10 songs per year. The Millie Vanilli recorded version of Girl You Know It's True was disappointing and Farian opted to record the song with studio musicians, including Charles Shaw, John Davis, Brad Howell, Jody Rocco, and Linda Rocco. So uh, Farian produced and wrote most of the album All or Nothing, which was released in Europe in November 1988. It was recorded by studio musicians, but promoted by Millie Vanilli. They toured Europe lip singing, lips, <laughs> lip-syncing <laughs> to pre-recorded tracks and delighting fans with their colorful spandex costumes, thigh-high boots, and long cornrows. <laughs> Y'all remember that I shit? Can see I can see it too. <laughs> In 1989, Millie Vanilli was signed to Arista Records, and All or Nothing was redistributed as Girl You Know It's True for U.S. distribution. 
It had three number one singles, Baby Don't Forget My Number, Blame It On The Rain, and Girl I'm Gonna Miss You. So I have a very specific memory about Blame It On The Rain. And <laughs> is I want, it jumping off the swing? It is jumping off the swing. <laughs> so let me tell you what we used to do when we were little. At Granny Ann's house, there was a swing set, and we would put the sprinkler out in front of the swing set, and we would sing Blame It On The Rain and leap out into the sprinkler. <laughs> and blame it on the rain. I bet we're not the only ones who did that. <laughs> I hope not. Let us know if y'all did that. Uh, so the album went six times platinum and spent 41 weeks in the top 10 of the Billboard Top 200 and they won a Grammy Award for Best New Artist. So how did they get caught? MTV became suspicious when the duo gave their first interview and they could hardly speak English. <laughs> so that was a pretty, that, you know. But, was that interview with Kurt Loder? <laughs> probably. Or Downtown Julie Brown. Downtown Julie Brown is part of this. Yep. So, <laughs> then Millie Vanilli was given a live performance in Connecticut for MTV on July 21st, 1989. On Girl You Know It's True, the track began to jam and skip. And Rob Pilatus ran off the stage and had to be chased down by downtown Julie Brown, who proceeded to tell him to get the fuck back on stage. <laughs> In December 1989, studio musician Charles Shaw realized that the real singers had not been given vocal credit on the American release as they had been on the European release. So when they released it as All or Nothing, they were all listed, including, you know, the, the Millie Vanilli group, but they weren't at all on the American one. So he got pissed and threatened to t and uh, threatened to talk. Farian reportedly paid him $150,000 to keep his mouth shut. In March 1990, Rob Pilatus reportedly told Time Magazine that he was the new Elvis and said that Millie Vanilli was more musically talented than Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, and Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> By November of 1990, everyone was pretty much over it with Millie Vanilli, and on November 14th, Frank Farian announced publicly that the duo had not sung on the album and that they had been fired. When confronted by the Los Angeles Times, Rob Pilatus confirmed Far Farian's story. So then people got pissed. Do you remember how pissed off people were yeah. about this? And, <clears throat> It's kind of funny thinking about like millennials now and how they're all offended, but people were really fucking offended about this. So, because well, it wasn't, that was not the first time that <clears throat> any anybody had ever been caught yeah. not being for real, and then people are like, "Holy shit!" Everybody could be fucking lip singing. Like, what the fuck is this? That's a thing that y'all fucking do. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so a week after the announcement, the National Academy of Recording Artists and so of Recording Arts and Sciences revoked Millie Vanilli's Grammy. And they're still the first and only to have their Grammy Award revoked. What happens if they just don't give back the trophy? Like the actual Grammy itself? I, I, I don't know. Because I mean, if those people are like, yeah, we're going to revoke it, and they're like, 
Well, good luck coming to my right. house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I hope that they didn't give it up. I hope one they, of them they still did. has it. Oh, did they? Is it in a museum somewhere? TV. Remember, they were like, I guess we should give these Grammys back. That was a whole thing, too. So, Pilatus and uh, Morvan threw a press conference with over 100 journalists yep. where they stated their willingness to return the Grammy. I remember watching it. You didn't watch it? And then they started to sing and rap in hopes uh, to highlight that they were really artists and that they could really well, sing. Well, and stuff. could really sing and do everything yeah. they did it. But it apparently was it was just super awkward. <laughs> and, like, nobody really understood what the fuck was going was on. the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. They were like, we can really do it. We want to show we can do it. But we're, everybody's like, but you didn't. But we can. Yeah. Hey, play much on the ra- and it's <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> no way can understand y'all. Why are y'all doing anything at all? So several lawsuits were filed stating violation of U.S. Uh, consumer fraud protection laws. And Arista Records settled the lawsuits in August of 1991 by offering refunds to people who had bought Millie Vanilli recordings or attended live shows. I ain't getting money. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. I bet we had that CD. <laughs> Well, we 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 did so. <laughs> I guess I guess you have to actually have to be part of the class action. <laughs> but to this day, Arista still claims that they did not know that Millie Vanilli was not singing on those records. They said it was already a European release. We just distributed it in the U.S. You know, we didn't know who sang on it, and you know, a lot of people say you know that that's bullshit, but. I guess it's possible that the high ups didn't, you know, plausible deniability. Where but they I bought feel like there would be paperwork, right? Because if they were but listed, it, it could have been an issue where they didn't sign the actual artist; they just like made a contract with their manager or their agent for distribution rights in the United States. Yeah, they but still, they would have to heard. actively take things out if it was already distributed over here. All they do is showing the, everything. No, all yeah, do, all yeah, they would have to erase work. it. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, not if they didn't know about it in the first place. But if, it if, was on there already. Yep. Give it credit to the, for it in 1988. There's no way to find out unless you had a copy of it. So if we came to America, well, they would have to have a copy it, because they had heard it. Well, no, so yeah, but the, the, the copy they gave them didn't have to be the official release. Oh. I'm saying if they just gave them a copy that was like written on top, Millie Vanilli. Here's what it sounds like. Yeah. Why don't you have the official version? Oh, we're gonna change the album artwork to the American version. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And nobody ever said anything unless you had actually seen the original in German and new German also, because you'd have to read that it said who actually performed it. It doesn't just say in English in the German release and all that, wherever they release it. So you'd have to know all that shit and have a copy and like it's. Yeah, I, so. I think it, I think it's completely ridiculous that nobody at Arista knew. I, I'm I'm still on the fence as to whether maybe the higher ups didn't know because you know maybe, you know the. Lower managers and stuff were like, we know they ain't singing, but we, ain't, we just ain't going to tell anybody, and yeah. hopefully they won't fuck it up. because <laughs> they're looking to get a payday. Yeah, money. yeah. But one of the articles I read, you know, was uh, by some, they had interviewed somebody that works at Arista now, and he was talking about, you know, who really gives a shit? Because if people went to the show, they were seeing exactly what they expected to see and hearing exactly what they expected to hear. yeah. So, really, were they defrauded at all? You know, so that's something to think about, too. You know, because the the voice wasn't coming out of the same package, you know. When you fed your horse meat, it tasted good while you're complaining. Because I don't want to eat horse meat. But, you, yeah, you do. 
but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> they are the, the horse maid in this situation. If you, if you hear a song on the radio or see something on MTV, and then you go to the concert and you hear that same exact song, are you really pissed off? Because that's what you went to the concert for. Rock. I wouldn't. I tell you what. I would rather an artist lip sync than me pay to go see them and they fucking suck. Yeah. You know what I don't like when what? you go to concerts and the fucking artist. Always, and I, I understand they're doing it for fan engagement and stuff like that, but, you know, just hold the microphone out and let you sing. Oh. I didn't pay you money for me to come here and sing. Yeah, you want me to sing. I paid you money for you to sing it to me. That is all I've got on Millie Vanilli. One of mine is uh, the conspiracy that Chuck E. Cheese recycles their pizza. Man, if you go to Chuck E. Cheese and, you know, you're having a party and you leave three or four slices, they take those slices and then build them all new pieces. <laughs> in 2019, YouTuber Shane Dawson posted a video promising to investigate the misshapen pieces. He said that he noticed it when he was about eight years old. So he started looking, and he found two Yahoo Answers threads from ten years before that, which probably would have put him, I don't know how old that fucking guy is, anyway. Um, where it was people already talking about it back then. So, 10 years before that, they're like, hey, something's going on with this fucking pizza. So, he went and he ordered two fucking pizzas. <laughs> and you can look at the pictures. We should have put them on our Instagram. <laughs> There's no fucking way that those slices came from the same pizza. <laughs> I mean, There's just no fucking way. So, the parent company, which is CEC Entertainment, they responded that the claims were unequivocally false, and they say that their pizzas are made to order and the dough is prepared fresh, making them not always uniform in shape. But it's not that they're not, it's not that it's, it's not the completely pieces don't fit together. It's, they don't fucking fit together, and that's not how that shit works. So, after Shane Dawson's shit, um, you know, it spread to Twitter, you know, it's everywhere. Um, employees at Chuck E. Cheese started chiming in and they're like no fucking way we don't recycle pizza they say that every pizza has to have a certain number of slices and it's that way everywhere right that's not a special thing but they're saying that sometimes in the kitchen they get in a hurry and so they're done and they've only got 10 and they should have 12 so they take two of the biggest pieces and cut them again or some shit but that doesn't matter they would still fucking fit together <laughs> that doesn't fucking work so that's all I got for Chuck E. Cheese. Told you it wasn't going to take long. Because I, I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> is this like a specific Chuck E. Cheese or are they saying that every Chuck E. Cheese, like this is a corporate policy? I think that, other people started um, posting pictures from others where the pizza looks weird. <laughs> so, and it might be every fucking pizza might, place. <laughs> like, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, I know a girl I work with, she went to Chuck E. Cheese a couple weeks ago and took a picture of her pizza and sent it to me. It looked fine. So, so our Chuck E. Cheese is doing okay. good things. But did you say that she had like a like a special She did. She custom. had a special order, but according to them, all the pizzas are custom order or made to order. Yeah. But well, that, that just proves that they got found out and they're no longer doing that. They've been found out. <laughs> so, that's all, that's all I got for that. <laughs> and then the other one that I did was... Um, all the locations of the Outback Steakhouse on Google Maps make a pentagram. <laughs> <laughs> and this started on Tumblr, made its way to Twitter. Um, Outback Headquarters 
when they were asked for comment, you know, by reporters or whatever, all they would send back was a picture of Google Maps with a big blooming onion in the middle. <laughs> and they say, people see what they want to see. <laughs> you see a pentagram, we see a blooming onion. And then later they tweeted, if the blooming onion is evil, we don't want to be nice. Now I'm going to have to follow Outback <laughs> That's all I've got for that one, too. I did look up hours. Um, he's looking now. I looked up Greenville. I was on my phone, but could not. I, I didn't see a pentagram. I also didn't see a blue so moon again. Here is Mesa, Arizona. Yeah, there, it's all low. <laughs> um, where is this one at? This one is in Indianapolis. That's pretty damn cool. That's New York. <laughs> I mean, do y'all see a pentagram or do y'all see a... That don't look like a blue moon onion. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's all they sit back with. Well, I mean, if the um, if the lines weren't drawn on it, it, you know, you could draw your own, I guess. I probably wouldn't immediately think pentagram either. I probably wouldn't immediately <laughs> think anything. I, yeah, I don't know why it started. I don't yeah. know. Somebody got bored, I guess. Yeah, this one's I never know why things get started. Like, like, it's just amazing. Georgia. So, this one's not far from us. This one's in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. <laughs> so it's not just some of them. It's yeah, no, it's all, it's all of them. <laughs> it's apparently any city that has. I didn't know it was per more. city. I thought that it was like no, it's <laughs> you know, like if you looked at all of the outback state houses in the country, all of that together would make this a, one's uh, Tennessee. Yeah, that's kind of fucking weird. They got some, shot, but there's the blooming onion picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. I mean, it is a little bit weird. But uh, what other shit, I wonder, could you turn into a pentagram? If I mean, you know what I mean? QT? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> you turn QT into all kinds of shit. You know how many QTs? There's, a There's enough QTs. QTs, like, in a two-mile radius of us to probably make a pentagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're well, everywhere. If you, depending on the scale, like, if you zoomed out far enough, you could... You could have five points and make a pentagram out of just about anything. So, I mean, because some of these were like, like the North Carolina, it was crossing all the way over into fucking Georgia and South Carolina and stuff. So, you zoomed out really far. Yeah, to, to make that to happen. Your, to get your image out of it. So, it's kind of, you know, you're, you're forcing it to be there. Yeah. When it's not really there. Yeah. Because, I mean, I could fucking zoom out on the whole United States and pick five states and say, look, here's a pentagram. Just because they make a triangle. Or, I mean, a, a star. It's true. So, it's really, you know, kind of pushing. Pushing some, it. <laughs> some of the ones, like the one in, in Mesa, where it was, like, right there in Mesa, Arizona. Yeah. You know, that's kind of fishy. <laughs> but the, but the ones that are zoomed out really far and crossing over like four fucking states to do it, like nah, <laughs> not really, dude. But over there in when you're looking, Mesa, at, they might be when, like when you're in you're looking, you're at Might be nine. doing all them cattle mutilations <laughs> and shit. Oh my god, that's where they get their stinks. <laughs> I'm, I'm more interested in because Outback is a franchise deal. Who is in charge of their land procurement? To where they're getting, like, they're able to buy lots to build outbacks. 
in a straight line from one another. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't happen on accident not that many times. Nah. We should look into that guy. <laughs> or maybe it was accident one time and then they thought it was funny like the Denver airport shit. <laughs> it's just like, let's keep doing that. Yeah. So, the topic that I looked into a little bit and later found out that Ryan also picked was mattress stores on like every fucking street corner. <laughs> like, at first time, I thought that was a little fishy until I started doing a little more research into it. Most of what I see is people saying, are they using that to like launder money? Because nobody's ever there. Ain't nobody ever And there's no one on every, every fucking corner. Yeah. But when you think about it, though, like most people, mattresses are expensive. Most people don't make purchases like that in cash. Can you really launder money if you're using like credit cards and shit? Well, but it would almost be easier, wouldn't it? Because then you could just ring up an $800 mattress, charge their card, but really you're selling them $800 worth of coke. Right? <laughs> but that's not what money laundering no, is. That's like a whole different thing. So, from, from the little bit of like three or four articles I read, most of them came to the same conclusion, which I, I kind of agree with. Is mattress stores are everywhere because it costs next to nothing to operate, but there's such a high profit margin. Because think, you can buy commercial land dirt cheap or lease out a place dirt cheap. They're buying these mattresses for probably a hundred bucks a piece and selling them to the public for two grand a piece. Since nobody's ever there, you don't have to have you know staff full time, so you can just pay two people minimum wage to go in there and fucking sell mattresses. So I mean, you're really you're paying so little to potentially get so much in return. What would be a good money laundering scheme? Nail salons, and we talked about this before too. Because nail salons, that's a small enough purchase where people would pay in cash. The thing about nail salons, though, like, they are always fucking packed. Or, I don't know during COVID, because I haven't been in yeah. one during COVID, but, like, every time I've been in one, it's like, you know, you have to fucking wait and everything like that. Yeah, the the, the, the companies where I always suspect they're laundering money are like the ones where, like, nobody's ever fucking there. Or, like, that weird fucking hot dog place up by us that has been open forever, and it's open, like... There's never anybody there. Because it's only yeah. open for, like, two hours on Monday. It's <laughs> been there for, like, 20-something yeah. years. How's it still <laughs> open when every damn thing else is closed? Because <laughs> they're either cooking meth. Or they are Yeah, there's a, there's a seafood restaurant by my parents' house. They're the same way. They're open like one day a week for like two hours. Is it fucking ridiculous? Yeah, but, they, but they've been there for fucking 40 years or whatever. Money laundering. Yep. Like, Money laundering. I remember my grandparents talking about how they used to go there back in the day. Like, when? In the two-hour window? <laughs> They're like, yeah, they were only open a couple days a week back then. <laughs> Open up, open up this fish restaurant. <laughs> fish stinks, so they won't smell the meth. <laughs> it will cover up all this meth smell. And <laughs> but yeah, as far as like money laundering only being in places that don't have a lot of people, I don't think that would be accurate all the time. No, and, and it, like I don't know why that came into my head, but that's always the ones I suspect. But I mean, it would make more sense to launder in a place that, you know, did a lot of business. Yeah. But yeah. in my head, it's that hot dog stand. <laughs> yeah, because, like, that's who's laundering money. I mean, 
You see it a lot in the movies where it's just like some bullshit business that doesn't do anything. But realistically, if anybody came asking questions, you know, like, hey, you got this nail salon and y'all claim a million dollars, you know, why? We're packed every day, mm-hmm. seven days a week. Or if you're running, you know, a mattress store that get one customer every month and you you got a million dollars at the end of the year, like, yeah. <laughs> all right, where'd all this money come from? Like, how it's been? Well, I bet if you're laundering money, you're not, you're not filling out your taxes properly, probably. You're not claiming all that money. But what if they're making more? They're making five million. Yeah. Claiming Claiming one million. Yeah. Because (laughs) at the same time, you can't be busy every single day and claim next to nothing at the end of the year. It's got to make sense somehow. Yeah. So if you're open seven days a week and you're crowded seven days a week from the time you open to the time you close, you're always crowded. You can't go in there and be like, yeah, I made $100,000 this year. Like, no, nah, either you're paying everybody fucking six hundred grand a year to work doing nails, <laughs> or you know, it, it's got to add up. A weird thing that I've experienced in nail salons that I don't think I've experienced anywhere else is they charge you more to use your card. So maybe that's because they're not getting that extra money, laundering money. No, because there's a lot of places that charge a fee if you. But nail, that's usually if it's low, like a low amount. You ever got your nails done for less than twenty bucks? Mm-mm. Normally, they charge like you charge less than three or four dollars or some shit. It's never like, super cheap at a nail salon. Yeah. It's a minimum fifteen twenty bucks. That would be. That's true. Like they're just sticking it to you or don't want you to use your card. Yeah, because they're laundering that money. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna piss off like everybody that works at mattress stores. Everybody <laughs> that works at nail salons. <laughs> We're the fucking worst. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I got. Nail salons are laundering money. Mattress stores are not laundering money. He's pro mattress firm. What you got, <laughs> right? Do you have any <clears throat> any evidence to support mattress stores would be laundering money? To get the other side of that argument? There's so many of them. Why are there so fucking many? Like, <laughs> they don't even have to be laundering money. Are they train? Are they trafficking people? Like they gotta be doing something. There are too fucking many. There's not enough people in these towns to, to justify having that many mattress stores. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, a lot. Of, a yeah, because the mattress lasts what eight years? Is yeah. that what? <laughs> yeah. And most people wear them fucking ragged, so they have them for like twelve years before they buy a new one. So a lot of that would come from like corporate competition, like. There's a Lowe's in town, you know, as in most towns. Not far away, there's a Home Depot. Because they see Lowe's is getting a lot of business in this specific area. But this is specifically mattress firms. <laughs> so like, there's four not, mattress firms. Not all mattress stores are mattress firms. <laughs> Everyone I've ever Aren't seen. Like, We've got a, a Mr. Mr. Mattress. Is yeah. that what is it that is? Is that still a Mr. Mattress, Mr. Mattress out next to the clock on next to Red Lobster and shit? That's a Mr. Yeah, Mattress. but I didn't think it was still open. I, I just see the building. Down. I didn't yeah. think it was open. Yeah, we, we still have Mr. Mattress here. All right, so you have one Mr. Mattress and 57 Mattress. Firms. There's the sleepover store in Greenville. I'm trying to think... If we even have a mattress for them. Is well, there, they, yeah, we have a there, mattress. There's, there's one mattress. next to Five Guys in Cherrydale. That's about right in there, too, over there. Of, yeah. <laughs> there's two mattress firms yeah. in Well, Cherry I mean, I was thinking Hold easily. On. I was thinking easily. There's a mattress firm in easily. Yeah. yeah. 
She's googling. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna map mattress for <laughs> The real question is, can you zoom out far enough to draw a pentagram with mattress? <laughs> Where are you at? I don't know, but there's so many that they're stacked on top of each other. <laughs> That's not like, in the United States. Yes, it is. That's us. That is not us. Where is there water near us? That's own? Hendersonville. I, I was so far out that you're seeing the ocean. <laughs> oh, you haven't turned all sideways and shit. Look at this. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Just in Greenville, Simpsonville, and Easley. <laughs> Why do they need 12 mattresses? They capitalize on the money. But they don't make any money. <laughs> yeah, there, there's still only a limited a limited okay, market so for this. Like, if I can open a mattress firm for $100,000 and then make a million dollars this year off of that one store. But yeah. how many people are buying mattresses? That's, <laughs> it doesn't take much. Though, because <laughs> the, the, the market is so much. <laughs> Again, they're buying these mattresses. They're... Most likely made overseas in a factory dirt cheap, having them imported dirt cheap, and then selling them super expensive. I think we should shut that shit down. The average price to manufacture a mattress is mattress between $100 and $300. So. We'll take off mattress firm. <laughs> I'm going to start tagging them in all of our It makes sense. If I opened up a franchise <laughs> and it cost me 100 grand to open it and I made a million bucks off of it. Well, next year I'm going to cut into that million that I made and open another one. And then I'll have two million. And then I'm just going to keep multiplying and multiplying, seeing how far I can Eventually, make Eventually, everybody's going to have a mattress. That's what I'm saying. But mattresses are consumable. It's but not It's not something you buy once and you're done. It's like once every eight years. So. I say okay, the so, Google so, how many mattresses a person buys in their lifetime. So eight years for you. And then next year, they need a new one. So next year, somebody else needs a new one. Next he's, like year, a cicada, he's the cicada of mattress <laughs> every, every eight years, he sells a There's mattress, a and he starts over. Yeah, he said, starts over. There's a mattress that comes out of the plastic package, and they go, and make a noise. And you're like, what is that? That's just the mattresses every year. It happens. We're in the South. <laughs> so, I mean, just because we only bought one every eight years, they bought one after that, and the next person, the next person, the next person. Everybody's Drink. Eight, everybody's eight years does not start at the same time. It's a cycle. It's cyclical. <laughs> and think about it again. I only got to sell one to make a profit. I can sell one mattress. I'm in the green. Except for you know, not if I, you spent a hundred thousand dollars on your store, and then you got to pay for power. <laughs> I mean, you could live in that store, and nobody would know. But still, you got to eat. How long is one mattress gonna keep you eating? So now you're fighting with the mattress guy next door. One, the price of one mattress will keep the store open for a month, <laughs> if if not more, depending on where your location is and how expensive real estate is. We're about to get in a heated argument over oh, mattress. <laughs> So if I if I sold one to you today and one to her tomorrow and one to my parents the next day, it only takes one for me to pay all my operating costs for this month. Now I just sold three. Now there are twelve million people in this town. Twenty million people in the next town. You know, you gotta think about the scale of the population. 
you don't really have to sell that many to cover your operating costs and be in the green. I mean, if I spent a hundred grand to open the store, and I sold you a mattress for two grand, and her mattress for two grand, and the next guy a mattress for two grand, like the money adds up really fast. If you think I'm paying two thousand dollars for a goddamn mattress? <laughs> <laughs> I lost your mind. I'll buy Kelly's old one for four hundred dollars. You'd be surprised how many people really do spend that kind of money. No, Mattresses are expensive as fuck. So is that all we got for a corporate conspiracy? I think so, yeah. We want to talk about the drinking game? Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> what do we got? Kelly wants to start a drinking game. Drunk theory drinking game. So, yeah. So we're going to have a drunk theory drinking game, and we want you to drink whenever Kara burps. <laughs> whenever... Y'all going to get drunk just off of that. <laughs> <laughs> whenever Matt... Throws up or talks about y'all gonna be sober for a while. <laughs> Whenever Ryan falls asleep during the show, <laughs> y'all might, might get a little buzz. <laughs> or when I mispronounce a word, oh, y'all have it like four times. Y'all gonna be four up on the floor on that. So that's the drunk theory drinking game. Uh, enter our raffle on Twitter. Leave us a review. On Apple or Podchaser, and you'll be entered to win a whole set of Drunk Theory shot glasses. A whole set of raffle tickets because we got like five <laughs> shot glasses featuring our we'll, faces. We'll just send you a fucking roll of raffle tickets. <laughs> We've got contests on TikTok. I'm running tanked trivia. I'm disappointed in y'all. Nobody watched our Dumbs episode, apparently, because nobody's got the Denver Airport question yet. And that don't make no sense. I would have known the answer to that without even listening to the episode. Shoutouts? Oh. Who do we love? Nobody. We don't love anybody. Corn Dog and Mr. Pickle. Oh, other people. Okay. Chat Smash. The Center Cut. Player Pods Right. I like Colonels. How you about, like turtles? How about it sound like you don't really care about these people? Like, who are we left? Chicago Tony. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chicago Tony. Chicago Tony wants to be on the show. I know. I, I say that. yes to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to give a special shout out to Plum Forest because I fucking hate you for making me sing Mariah Carey the other night. <laughs> <laughs> that is something I love you definitely look out for. I, I love <laughs> you, Plum Forest, for making my husband he, sing Mariah he Carey. He specifically asked in the message if I would be willing to sing Mariah Carey, and I specifically said no. I thought that excused me from the whole thing. Yeah, I saw the, the message. You did not say no. You just said that you couldn't sing very well, and he was like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, that should be a no. But I did it anyway because I want to be... He's a team player. A, a team player. It was terrible. Don't listen to that one specific episode. I will be <laughs> shouting that shit out every day. I'm going to play that shit every day. I'm going to make it my ringtone. <laughs> but listen to the rest of the episode because uh, I went back and listened to some. They're really good. I like the short stories. Nice. And I like the community engagement getting other podcasters to voice different characters on every episode. Yeah, I think that's neat. I just don't that like that I had to fucking sing and Mariah Carey is that. I listened to that song eight times just so I can get the tempo. <laughs> Probably still fucked up. Oh man, I hate that's fucking like the Um, And Paranormal Burrito, look out for his new game show. Yeah, that's, that's not that fair. Funny. It is very fun. I can't wait. It's very not fair. Yeah, it's not fair at all. <laughs> it's the most bullshit set of rules I've ever <laughs> 
fun. Oh, that was fun as shit. <laughs> but I guess that's all we got. You got any shout outs? That's it. Alright. Well, thank you for listening. I love ya. Love y'all. Bye.